Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, I'm happy to have Mike Dolce. Mike is a four-time World MMA Trainer of the Year. Sports Illustrated called him one of the most sought-after coaches in sports. I wanted to hear about what he does in his own life and how he helps others achieve their goals. You can find him on Instagram at Dolce Diet. Mike Dolce, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. An honor and a pleasure, my man. Good to be here. Dude, I have I have looked to you for advice for a long time because, well, first, I, I mean, there's so many different things I want to talk to you about, um, but I think you have a very no-nonsense approach to weight loss, uh, and we can also see that in action with a lot of the people you're coaching and training, and, and they happen to be people that I admire a lot, and, and so I've always liked watching that. What for you is the... I don't know what got you into this. You know, I at one point was 282 pounds, right? As a, a, a power lifter. And I was pers- pursuing sports performance objectives. At that young age, mid 20s or so, we just think about getting across the finish line first, lifting the big weight, winning the competition, getting the girl and moving, you know, into the the sunset, right? That's kind of the image that we have. As we get a little older, we understand life is much more complex. And I was blessed with the opportunity to learn in my mid 20s the importance of longevity and longevity based nutrition as it correlated to sports performance. So not to you know take you too deep into my childhood, but my father had a stroke at a very young age. I was eight years old, inundated with hospitals and doctor's offices and such. He eventually passed away as a result of all the complications. So I saw that happen at a formative age. And then I went through the lifestyle distress that that causes. So I saw firsthand lifestyle related illness. And at that stage, I wasn't aware. But as I became older and more educated, I had so many link backs to real world implications of lifestyle choice. So in my mid 20s, I figured it out, uh, which is two decades or so ago. Now I figured it out pretty quick. And then I was able to apply these concepts, longevity based concepts amongst the the greatest petri dishes in the world. I mean, what an opportunity to validate our hypothesis amongst the greatest athletes on the planet, competing even in weight class oriented sports at a higher physical athletic output than MLB or NBA or NFL, which is great to them also. But man, 25 minutes in the octagon, what more is there from an athletic perspective? So that kind of got me into it. And since then, I was, I was locked in in my, my eight years old, nine years old, looking for a father figure, one could say, into the gyms and muscle building and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that stuff. So my mind was tied into it from there. And it's just never stopped. It's never stopped. Okay. 
So this is this is perfect because I get you know listen I'm in Hollywood and we see all the trends they hit us like waves um, yeah. you know it was uh, what was it recently it was um, there was a big movement of you should eat a lot of meat but it all has to be pasture fed and then I heard some of these guys have switched over you know and it was probably after a Netflix documentary that came out and now they're like no no we're gonna do all vegetarian proteins. And, and like, these were guys who were like anti-vegetable a year or two ago. So I see these things. I personally feel like anything you do that reduces your energy intake is going to result in the net weight loss. The problem I have with that a lot of the times is I don't think people are talking about specific goals. And like, if my wife wants to go to a Hollywood dinner and wear a certain dress and she needs to lose two pounds in a couple of days and she really doesn't care about sustaining that weight loss then i go like yeah do whatever you want you want to drink the lemonade cayenne drinks for a couple of days i don't think that's a great idea but if that's what you want to do you'll probably succeed in wearing the dress that you want to wear fine but when we think about more of like and obviously I'm talking primarily to people who are really interested in weight loss. It's not necessarily athletics um, and athletic performance, but are there varying degrees of what you would suggest people do? Like I think a professional MMA fighter probably has a much different approach to taking off 10 pounds than a dude who's put on 10 pounds over the course of 10 years. Is that true? Well, let's back this up and unpack this. There must be context to everything that we do. So we need to understand in context. Now, what is effective is not often sustainable. Right. And we need to understand that because are we simply just problem solving one issue in one moment and creating three more problems down the road, which will need to be solved? So to speak to your friends in Hollywood, to whom I do work with some, they're constantly chasing what's new without ever achieving the results that they wanted in the very beginning. Cause has, had they, or any of us have any of us achieved the fitness results through one practice, we would not dismiss that practice nor move on to the next practice per se. So the athletes, I, I like to joke, but not really while working with Ronda Rousey, the most dominant female co combat athlete on the planet at that time, she had the exact same grocery list as my 89-year-old grandma, Rhoda. Rhonda's training effect would be different. She's in the pool at 5 a.m. training two other times during the day. Rhoda, grandma, would go to grandma camp in a little pool aerobics twice a week and a little chair knitting and chair yoga, things such as that. The exact same ingredients delivered at the times and the quantities that made sense to their fuel utilization and also to fulfill their micronutrient and the phytonutrient needs. So everything we do, I look at you and me and everybody else, I look at all of our clients as a cellular organism. We break it down to the base. Now, as cellular organisms, what do these cells need to operate most efficiently? And that begins the conversation. If we start at this level, the cellular level, because you and I standing here, we are not truly the shapes that we are. We are just cells stuck to each other, right? In the most base form, that's what we're made out of. If we act contrary to that, 
we're setting ourselves up to fail. So we understand the cellular activity, the cellular need, the cellular um, growth and the efficient growth, let's say the growth pathway moving forward. We can easily fulfill the cellular need and then start to shape the physique, let's, let's say, or the performance as we move forward. So power lifters and, and marathon runners, Stand near the same exact ingredient list, 40 to 60 base ingredients we look towards. And I wanted to point to one other thing where people jump from, from carnivore to vegan to keto to fasting to paleo to zone to counting macros and what's next. You know, they, they jump all these, you know, and, and many of them use the, the primal concept, right? That, that's a big one. And I wanted to, to wipe that away because what we call humans are opportunistic omnivores. Right. No one in our species has ever had the nose in the air benefit to walk past a blueberry bush while on a three-day antelope hunt, <laughs> right? So let's wipe away all the BS and, 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 and you know, Lauren Cordain and the paleo diet and, and the lack of oats. That, that's not true. We know that's not true. The data is there. Wipe all the primal crap away. Forget about the dogma and the tribes cool marketing campaigns and your favorite podcast host. Forget about that for a moment and just think base level. I am a coagulation of, of cells that have very specific needs. My car needs a spark plug. My home needs a nail and a screw to hold the wood together, to hold the frame together. If we bypass that level, there's, there's nothing. So that's an overview of kind of the, the general understanding for everyone paying attention without getting too technical. And many people in my position are out there that you speak to, I'm sure, they speak slightly over the audience in order to infer credibility without having the ability to speak in very simple, easy to understand terminology that's well supported. Go to Google Scholar right now. Nothing I'll say during my talk with you nor anything I put out is untrue or not scientifically, scientifically validated. Because it doesn't sound so freaking crazy, it can get dismissed by those looking for what's new. I mean, remember gluten-free, and we'll give Gwyneth Paltrow credit for that. Well, we understand 97% of the population has no problem with gluten at all. They don't have celiac disease. Less than 3%, we could say, of the population actually does. But man, how many billions of dollars did that generate? How many people were dis disappointed or then led into the path of eating synthetic toxic chemicals as it was labeled as gluten-free. Windex is gluten-free right. for sure, but we're not going to put that into our body. Again, going down to the cellular level and cellular efficiency is what we like to say. There was a for sure period in my life. And, and to be honest with you, when I think about pizza today, I think about one pizza and it is gluten-free and it is fucking delicious and i could not understand why i wasn't losing weight they do pizza and chicken wings that are both gluten-free and i was i was like well I'll just eat this dude if, if that's the way you do it you just don't eat gluten that was a period of my life too you know you get i think we want simple solutions and it's it's kind of bizarre because the simplest solution in my opinion is the one you're talking about because it has the outcome that we want and it isn't really rocket science. Um, but if you, if, if you said, uh, 
look, I'll make all your dreams come true with all your physical goals if you just get rid of gluten and you don't have to think about anything else. That's, that's like, for me, a no-brainer. And this is the issue that we're all facing is the conflation of facts by the fitness marketers, not the adherence to science by the fitness experts. Now, because I'm a fitness expert, because what I speak is very sensible and very obvious and very easy for every human to follow, well, that can't be right. It can't be as simple as me eating healthful whole foods in wide varieties at even intervals throughout the day based upon my general activity level and also my my genetic history and my lifestyle, my output. If I simply said, hey, you know what? I'm going to eat about every four hours or so. And I'm going to eat healthy foods from this earth. And that's apples and pears and blueberries and wild caught salmon and and, and Greek yogurt and kale and spinach and chard and butternut squash and cantaloupe and chia and hemp seeds and all the fun stuff. I'm going to have all that stuff. Every four hours or so, two to four hours based upon activity, every four hours-ish spread throughout the day based upon my level of activity. And then we can break the next layer down. Well, insulin sensitivities and certain digestive tendencies, personal preferences, geographic location, altitude, humidity levels, culture. We'll, we'll slowly look at all that stuff too. But that sounds secondary. Oh, way secondary. Way second. That's if you want to, you know, get crazy and, and, and peek out, let's say. Or you've been doing it for so long, it just becomes the next progression, like walking. Right. When we were babies, we used to have tummy time as babies. Right. Yeah. We couldn't even be balanced on our stomach at first. And then now we have Hussein Bolt out there just destroying what humans thought possible. Nutrition should be an evolutionary journey. Our interaction with nutrition, our skill set at getting better. Look at we, we probably eat more than we do almost everything, anything outside breathing, maybe or, you know, maybe some of the senses. But think about that, all the experience we have, and we still haven't figured it out. And to that, I call bullshit. I call bullshit on that. It is simply a lack of accountability by most people who defer responsibility for their self. And I like to shake people up and say, you are fucking completely alone. You and I were completely alone, locked in these skin sacks. These, these, you know, cells all just stuck together. We're completely alone. Nobody has effect on me in my life. Nobody has authority over my decision in life. So it's, it's not because my wife didn't cook dinner that I had to stop at Chipotle or my goddamn boss wants me to get this report done. And I ate off the cart because I'm stuck at work all day. All the BS excuses people make, right? It's all garbage. We can be very intentional with our food choices, very mindful of what they do, and then take responsibility for what happens for doing or not doing it's not about the grams of carbohydrate you eat that people fixate on. Is, is sugar bad? I can't eat an apple. 20 grams of carbohydrates. That might knock me out of ketosis. I shouldn't have that instead, right? And they're drinking diet Coca-Cola. They're eating 100 calorie snack packs. They're getting food off the cart. They're having a little tequila or whiskey with the friends and the girls and a glass of wine because I just need some. They're doing all that bullshit. But then they're fixated on, on the smoke and mirrors over here. That doesn't do damn dick anyway. But if we, again, we just ate sensibly, healthful whole foods, we say earth grow nutrients, healthful whole foods from this planet, 
local organic organic not had has the usda stamp on it per se organic in the true sense of the word it was born of this planet through natural means right it's nutrient dense that we know that per calorie organic whole food fresh natural in season has the highest net nutrient capacity per calorie of any food or food-like substance on the planet so I can get more nutrients at a lower to- total caloric ceiling just by eating these delicious, healthy foods anyway. Nobody has ever gotten fat by eating a bowl of fresh berries, blueberries and raspberries. Nobody's ever got fat, but the fitness marketers will have you believe that you will, and then they will sell you gluten-free pizza and wings to be healthy. Yeah. But blueberries are bad, right? Spinach is now bad. Kale is bad. You know, these things are bad. You know, they, they say, so I could go I on did, I did, no, I did just recently get like kale is poison. And I was like, I don't know. I haven't had that experience. Like I've eaten kale. It's not my favorite thing to eat. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go buy a bunch of it tomorrow, but I've eaten it and it, it was fine, but I didn't feel poisoned. I think when I think about, um, some of these things you're talking about, like I for sure can see the benefit in, uh, you know, uh, biodiverse and sustainable farming and pastured meat and all of this. But when, when I really concentrate on what my goal is and, and, I, and I also have to go back to what my goal began as, I don't know that they have to be in lockstep with each other because I think when we get into the idea of like, I want to live forever. If there, if I'm weighing 500 pounds and I just jump to, well, as long as my meat is pastured, it might take a little bit more finesse than that. Like I get to pastured meat and, and, and all of that kind of stuff way down the line after I confront and deal with like the, the, the elephant in the room, that I'm not dealing with. And for me, it was like, I was 550. Yeah. How do I handle that? And it took me a long time of, of doing some of the stuff you're talking about, of concentrating on the bullshit. Partially, I think, because we want a simple explanation that takes the responsibility out of us and places it on some other thing that, that is truly kind of, I think, incapable of being responsible for anything. You know, a rock is not responsible for anything. Um, you know, I think people have responsibility. And, and, and so it, it took me a long time to actually be able to hold that perspective myself. Um, and I was in this hamster wheel of trying to find the reasons outside of me that were causing me this issue. Um, have you have you have you had, had had to deal with people dealing with that? That's everybody. Right. That's every human, every human, every human. I, I do a, a thousand plus consultations per year, thirty minute phone calls. What's going on? How can I help? Let's drill down into this issue. You got me. Let's pick my brain here. And during that time, no matter who they are, oh, I mean royalty down to someone who's you know living in the parents basement and life just not started yet like for he or her like so everyone um every continent dozens and dozens of of countries let's say ages and genders and all the other stuff in between 
everybody has this exact same issue, right? They have this exact same issue. And we could talk about society and pop culture and all the narratives and things being put out there. But at the end of the day, personal accountability is everything, yeah. right? You can walk out the door right now and put a needle into your arm, right? You, you could take the kid's college fund and you could take it down to Vegas on a hot tip. Like you, you could do that. Personal accountability stops most people, but not all from even doing those things, which to a sensible person sounds like it's a bit, a bit, a bit risky for me, for my temperament, but they will not take personal accountability for other areas, which are just as, or more important. We know cardiovascular disease will kill over 600,000 people over the next 12 months, 50,000 plus people per month and hockey sticking escalating up. We understand that completely yet. Every time I drive by McDonald's, there is a line around the building, a line around the building, right? And people in the car are, would be medically deemed unhealthy, severely unhealthy and at risk. It's an at risk population. And they're driving Honda Pilots and Nissan Rogues and Mercedes Benzes and little, you know, jalopies. Every single person from every economic group is in there doing the same thing because greater than your economic class, your gender, your sexual preference, we're all human at that very base level. And we're all full of shit. We are, we are all full of shit, right? We lie to ourselves more than we lie to anybody else on the planet because we lie and we justify and you work so hard and you deserve this and you did well, or, you know, you know, he doesn't like you or she doesn't like you, or they really do like, or whatever the issue is, you know, you're such a great employee and you really deserve a raise and your boss doesn't fucking know anything. We all just lie all day long and we live this narrative. And then in reality, we're something completely different. We're like a bot of ourselves in many ways. With regards to your goals, and we'll stay with nutrition, I have a saying, if you can control what you eat, you can control every other aspect of your life. Most people can't. I can. I couldn't always, but I've worked to be able to do so. And there are a lot of people who can do that without realizing how freeing it actually becomes. And that's the one thing I really wanted to touch on here is by controlling what I eat, man, I can do anything. I'm fucking Superman. I feel amazing. Drop me off on a mountain peak. Drop me off in a desert valley with with a knife and a loincloth. I'm good. And I'm not a survivor, right? I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm fit. I can figure this shit out. I can get through this, right? I can, that is huge. That's because of lifestyle. That's not because I deadlift 600 pounds or I do these other bro stuff. That's because I get bored or want to challenge myself. The base is always athletic potential, optimizing our athletic potential, creating athletic opportunities for all of us. And I say humans are everyday athletes. You don't have to compete in the UFC or the the big sports game or be an actor to be at your best. You're fucking human. You're here for 80 years, God willing. And you're going to burn 40, 50 years pretending that and, and playing that false narrative how special you are and how hard you work. And you should take a day off and have drinks with the girls. And you're so stressed out and it makes you feel better. And all the bullshit, bullshit, right? That, that we spew to ourselves, but then we live contrary to our goals. And even to the narrative that we're playing because you're eating the fucking chips and wings and pardon my cursing here, but no. you're eating all the garbage at, at, at 11 o'clock at night when you're sitting on the couch with your sweetheart after you just ate a full freaking dinner. You're not hungry. You're just fucking not honest with yourself. 
And once we understand that, and, and I, I get people to embrace that and see that, we can start building calorie targets and all that stuff. But that's like 90% later. That's when you're like at the last 10% of wanting to just be like optimal. You had 90% of just normal, healthy lifestyle decisions in your day to get you to that place. And life is gold. Every day you wake up, life is better because you feel better. You feel better. You live better. You got better energy. You're getting stronger. You're getting leaner. You got better endurance. Blood work comes back. That looks great. The little troubled areas are going away slowly, but surely those chains are moving down the field. That's the best life ever. Are you crazy? It's the best life ever as compared to the self-loathing and, and, and the, 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 the fear, the anxiety, the, the, phantom pains uh, like google dr google comes in and you know all that stuff that's what most people are living and and you don't have to right now you could say fuck it i'm done boom glass of water what am i eating next something clean something healthy i don't only have a few things in the house that's fine i'll get this for now tide me over keep the water going get to the store pick up a few things piece of fish piece of chicken couple eggs two green things two red things two yellow things two blue things how do i put this shit together don't worry about having a potato or half a cup of rice have it enjoy it definitely do but start eating better evenly spread and now let's see how it does. Give it three days. I mean, about the same size thing at about the same time in about the same intervals throughout the day for the last three days. And goddamn, I feel great. Or man, I'm starving every day. Come noon, I'm starving every day. Just bump up the breakfast a little bit. Let's see what happens. Or bump up that lunch just a little bit. Within 10 days, every person watching this can have the perfect diet for themselves if they weren't full of shit. Yeah, I it, it's so it's so interesting because kind of everything you're talking about right now, I had to reverse learn. I had to learn it backwards. I because I spent so long um, demonizing food types and 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 then putting myself through really really fucked up diets where you know I'm on 500 calories a day because the doctor says that's how everybody loses weight at the same rate. Is that the HCG diet? I've done that multiple times. I've done OmniFast. I've done, I did another uh, OptiFast, OmniFast, one of those SlimFast, another shake diet that a nutritionist put me on where it was just shakes. I've done a lot. I did, um, I think something called First Perfect, it was called, where you're eating like next to nothing. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When I finally like started to go like, it's just me. It's not, it's not the food types. It's just me. I'm not feeling well. And, and you know, the, the other tricky thing was that I would do long bouts of keto and I would get to a point where I would stop losing weight. So I would have to just wind up going like, well, I got to eat a little less. And, and, and I would refine it and I would go like, okay, I'm going to get rid of the processed foods that I'm eating. No more bacon because that has trace amounts of sugar or maybe not even trace, maybe legitimate amounts of sugar. So I'm going to get rid of the bacon because it's got nitrates and sugar and I'm still not losing weight. Okay. Well, I'm just going to do smaller portions. Hey, I'm losing weight again, but then it stops. And I kept doing that. And I finally eventually got to like, this can't, this can't be right. Cause they said, if I just don't eat carbs, I'll be the right size. And I'm not. Um, 
And when I check, I was also losing a bunch of muscle mass, which was not what I wanted. Um, to be honest with you, when I first started to open up and go like, I'm going to apply uh, energy constraints versus picking out a single food, I was eating so much more than I would have on my own. I would have kept myself starving. I, cause that's just how I, how I knew to do it from 15, 20 years of dieting. I knew you gotta be really hungry all the time. Um, so it was, it was really hard to unlearn all that stuff and arrive at a day where I could, if, if, if my goal today is to maintain my weight, not lose or put on muscle, I would do exactly what you're saying. It, it took me a while to trust that I could measure out or serve myself a portion of rice and it wouldn't be too much. Um, that was my instinct. It will always be too much. And turns out it actually would have been too little. Um, is there a, a way to help? Because look, I, I would say anybody listening who is doing something that's working and they're really happy with it. I'm not advocating that you change it up. I don't, I don't think, I think if you're, if you're really happy with your program, keep doing it. But for who I suspect are the larger group who are running into roadblocks that we're talking about where it's like, I'm just not getting anywhere or it's so fucking hard. It's grinding. Life shouldn't be grinding. Or you start to look into the future and you go, can I really do this forever? Like, is this the way I want to live? You know, if you're constantly worried, you can't go see your friends because they're going to eat, it's going to trigger you or it's going to be a bummer or whatever. Um, what, are the, what are the things that people can start doing? Um, and I know you talked about go to the store, buy the different colored stuff. I think that's great. Don't worry too much about putting it together. But it is, is it that simple? That's how you start? Like, you don't need to be super restrictive? Yes, absolutely. We have, and this isn't a plug, but it's honest, we have an online platform. The online platform is a personalized diet and exercise plan, four weeks, 12 weeks. I say it's a Trojan horse though. I, I appeal to people's narcissism with the sizzle of three weeks to shred and lose 21 pounds in 21 days. Like, But by doing that, we use it as an educational tool to teach them how to balance their meals for the day. We teach them how to, you, you train early, you train late, you got to train and, and we dial it in. And we say the first four weeks is, is the health and habit phase. I'm working with the Hollywood person right now, famous, well-known for being a fit person. How many macros in the whole thing? It's like, listen, health and habit phase. Let's just kind of get back to the baseline. Let's get back into a groove, a good lifestyle and start living this way. Health, whole, whole food spread evenly. You don't need a lot of over corrections in the beginning. Let's just build the baseline, baseline health and habits. With that being said, it's like how you sleeping. Oh, you only sleep six hours a night. You're traveling all the time. We got to fix that. That's more important than your, your 20 or 25 grams of protein per day. Your 0.8 or 1.2 grams of protein per day. If, if hopefully when I say that, it does sound, no, that sounds pretty silly. 
you're only sleeping six hours a day, you're stressed out all the freaking time, you're not getting any, any workouts in, you got this visceral fat that's just kind of in, enveloping your organs now, and you're worried about how many grams of protein, a, a casein versus a whey isolate, that's the question. Now, let's build a baseline first, health and habit phase, first four weeks, let's start eating normally, regularly. Are you a three-time-a-day eater or a five-time? I'm like a five-time-a-day eater. I got great fit friends who are threes and some people who are like sevens. If you include, and we include all ingestion. If you have a, a, a smoothie in the middle of the day, well, that counts. That's a yeah. meal, let's say, right? So, so and they, man, they look awesome. They look great. They can perform relative to their goal set. So let's find out about you. We say it's about every four hours. So this is for the ease of the person. We kind of build that out. And here's, you know, 40 to 60 ingredients, almost like just have fun. Like we'll give you like, you know, eight to 12 ingredients per meal, let's say. Well, that includes some chia seeds or some hemp seeds or some of these little things, which have a high net nutrient combination with the, the totality of what's being consumed in the meal. And when you said kale, man, I get it. Kale, kale sucks if you're eating a big bowl of kale. But if you take a handful of kale and you, you tear it up and you throw it into the romaine and the, the, the chard and the arugula and, and all the other stuff, it gets diluted down into just a few pieces during a bite of the rainbow, of the varieties. For those listening right now, that right there, and man, go to the grocery store, get three different green things every time you go, three different reds, get something new every time and throw it in. Serve that with a piece of fish or chicken or steak or egg whites or Beyond Burger. I don't care. Do you get your lifestyle in order? Once we get that lifestyle in order, then we can make observations. Now, as the trick is, we're controlling the variables. Right. Now we can make informed decisions as to, all right, next level, first four weeks, health and habit phase, get your routine, get your groceries, start going to bed 15 minutes earlier than normal. And let's try and scale that till you're now you're getting seven and a half to nine hours of sleep in bed, nine hours before you have to wake up. Can you commit to doing that? And, and sorry, just to be really so I understand, this first section doesn't sound super restrictive at all. Instead, it's like if you're eating a bunch of uh, bag chips, let's just switch that out for something over here. It's almost it's almost eat a bag like, of apples. Right. Right. Okay, good. Can you? Right. Like I'll eat a bag of chips. I'll eat two bags of chips and a big thing of like French onion dip. No problem. Right. <laughs> That's easy. But if I say, Hey, I can eat a whole bag of apples. I'll eat two. Right. And be good. Yeah. No crave. Two apples are 200 calories, maybe three, two bags of chips are going to be like 3000 calories, maybe six with the dip. I'll eat that. No problem. And not be satiated. Be like, Hmm. Right. What's next? Where's the what's sandwich? Next? Yeah. All right. So we know that like we have to act with recognition of the facts otherwise again we're lying to ourselves, and it always goes back we're just lying to ourselves it's all bs right couple chips they're they're kettle cooked chip they're organic they're you know lower so all the bs they're gluten free yeah yes yes all that stuff then we'll eat it instead um that being said this is for everyone don't make it so hard and if we think about if you give me another minute to just touch on that a little bit of the fed lineage here you think about how people jump. It's, it's every 18 to 36 months, there's a new diet fed. And, and I've been in the industry since the 90s, 1993 is when I first started working as a paid coach, right? That's a long time now. It's crazy to think about that. 
But during that time, and I worked at one of the large nutrition chains for quite a bit of time, became management inside one of those. So I understand the marketing. I understand the machine. I understand the, the long leads on the campaigns and the new things that are coming out, right? I know how this is fed through the adverts and the newspapers and the placement on now Yahoo and whatever else, you know, getting onto the popular podcast show and pushing that narrative. It's like one day it's nothing. The next day it's everything and everywhere, the feds. So if we go back, we'll go back to like the zone diet, right? Barry Sears, the zone, the 40, 40, 20 diet. Then we went a little bit more hardcore controlling macros in the zone to now fitting your macros a little step further to also getting more exclusionary, fitting your macros, but paleo style, because, you know, 40,000 years ago, there were these really ripped dudes with spears running around great marketing. And then paleo in turn became the version of the keto that we see right now. Keto turned into carnivore, but also hybrid split off of more exclusionary restrictive dietary practices. And if you think about it to fasting and fasting turned into dry fasting and, and multi-day fast, fasting and the death fast, right? You think about how over the last 10, 12 years, these new things came and hit. We can go back a little further and there's the Atkins diet. We, you know, we'll just keep naming more and more that you'll all recognize. So we understand how people are controlled and everybody you know has done keto. Everybody yeah. I know for the most part has done keto and they've tried fasting and they, they counted calories and they did macros and fuck, I'm in better shape than all of them. I haven't done none of any of that. I haven't done any of that. Right. And not because I'm super fit, because there's, there's, I am not, I'm not, I'm genetically nothing, su super average. I work really hard. I got a family, has a lot of, you know, comorbidities, let's say, running through my bloodline, which motivates me, of course, to be more adherent. What I found was this system, not my system. I, I, I own this system no more than Sir Isaac Newton owns gravity. Right. I just observe what's actually happening and through interest and education and experience and observation, we've come to the conclusion that the best diet for humans is healthful whole foods and wide variety, local, organic, minimally processed, in-season, relative to your energy output, no synthetic toxic chemicals, no processed sugars, no hydrogenated oils, no synthetic red number this and FD number that, no artificial sweeteners, no sweetening additives, none of the garbage that people consume under the false premise of being healthy and they avoid all this healthful whole food that literally spawned our species. Like, so man, this is not earthbreaking. This is shit. Everyone here should be like, that Dolce guy, he just so simple. Everything he said, nothing earthbreaking. I knew everything he said in kindergarten, but son of a bitch, you're not following it. You're acting as if it's not true. And that's the problem. That's the problem with everyone. So we go back to health and habit phase, make a few little adjustments, get you dialed in. And man, it's, it's, it's easy. It really is that easy. Yeah. I remember a bodybuilder, um, proving or wanted to make some statement about calories and if it fits your macros and did like a cut while only eating at like an ampm or something like that or a 7-eleven and he did lose weight but he also lost a bunch of muscle and felt like crap and couldn't perform in the gym and when all of the people 
who I really respect, you included, talk about this. It it always does come back to like, look, you're not going to die if you eat a bag of chips and some dip. But for the most part, you're going to be better off eating these kind of whole unprocessed foods, you know. Um, and for the longest time, I just really did. I really believed I couldn't lose weight if I really believed I was carbohydrate intolerant and that I had grain brain and, you know, all these other things, <laughs> you know, I like, they're I had, so good. They're so good at it though. Dude, aren't they? I, my, my, my wife's friend would come over and say like, you know, you're in a fog because, or, or, or all of uh, Los Angeles is in a fog because they eat rice or whatever it was or oatmeal. And I'd be like, yeah, grain brain, that's got to be a real thing. I mean, people do seem kind of sedate and maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but I've had the biggest leaps, the biggest progress. But most importantly, and I think to what you you have said, I've not had an issue keeping like this lifestyle. I've not had any issue. And every time... I'd gotten down to a desirable weight in the past. Holding on to it was next to impossible. I mean, truly, it was white knuckling it. And then it always failed. And this, I've been roughly at this weight for four years now. And and it hasn't been really tough at all. And I've I've added bread when I want bread and, and rice. You know, every day has carbohydrates. Um, the timing changes depending on what I'm doing and stuff like that. And not every meal necessarily has carbohydrates, but uh, it's a lot to unlearn. You know, we're, 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 we're kind of inundated at the same time with like eat McDonald's. The marketing for eat McDonald's is really, really good. And the marketing for um, all these different diets is also really, really good. And it becomes this strange thing that I see over time. Like right now, this is maybe taboo to talk about. I don't know. I don't even know what your stance on it is. But you see that the vast majority of people who, who have succumbed from COVID, vast majority, have multiple comorbidities, most of which are associated with obesity that's being kind of referenced, but it's nobody's saying like, Hey, we wouldn't have to deal with this quite as severely as we have. If we addressed this other thing, that's not a topic, um, which is very curious. But then I go like, they can't really sell that. You can't sell that to anyone. That's not, that's got no money associated with it. So how do you market that? You can market a vaccine that has a profit incentive in it and um and everything else you can figure out a way to make money stimulus packages and all of this but you can't really market like hey we should all take better care of our bodies and this wouldn't be an issue um but i don't know where we get to i also have no interest in telling people they have to do it i'm, I'm really interested in people who want to but are having trouble and we look at the world and what's happening and, and the pandemic and the different entities approach to the pandemic. And, and we see competing narratives. 
and we understand that people are motivated because of political power on all sides, because of personal stature, because of financial gain. Very few, do I honestly believe, say what they say only without filter to assist and aid in the health of the individual in a civilized population. I don't think that's true. I don't think Fauci, I don't think anyone on any side is truly saying what's honest, what's accurate, and for the betterment of everyone, even at their own demise, lose their job, get kicked out of the position, be discredited amongst their own political party, again, on all sides. So I think that there's a lot of human nature being inter, inter um interspersed into the the conversation specifically where we get the conversations which is the large media outlets which are all all for-profit most publicly traded most answering to boards and people with a lot of power and a lot of money we all know that so i can't control that i get it so what am i going to do i'm going to analyze the data and i'm going to be the most badass motherfucker i can be resilient to anything and everything that's my goal man COVID kicks off. Yep. Get it. All right. Well, I'm going to still f- keep kicking ass. I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to get more fit. The world needs fit, strong, healthy people. Fuck. I'll be that dude. Put me on the front fucking lines, right? I'm going to jump in with the fucking American flag or, or, or earth flag and go running. How can I help? I can't help anybody if I'm sick and fat and, and lazy and injured and, and sedentary and, and mentally distressed. I got to work on that stuff. I got to make myself, again, drop me off on a mountain peak in a desert valley. I'm cool. Let's go. Who needs help? Get on my fucking back. Like, I'm, that's the attitude I bring. It's always hard. It's supposed to be hard, right? It's supposed to hurt. I hurt. I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm bored. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I'm fucking sick of this shit. Do it anyway. Like, that's all emotions. That's fine. Let it come. Let it go. I feel great. I'm so proud. I'm the best in the world. That's not true either. Let it, let, it, let it come and let it go. It does not affect our actions. Embracing the facts. And once again, what are the facts? We understand with COVID, we have the data sets. I'm a science guy, all, all data all day long. We go through the data. We look at the data. We look at the risk profiles. What's being reported is not actually true. Some people need even greater care and greater protection that they're not getting, the elderly and in, in the, the nursing homes and such. The younger population, businesses being destroyed for people under 50 years old, and the same level of interaction as is being pushed onto the 80-some-odd-year-olds, that's bad data. That's certainly bad science. You know, so I'm not dismissing anything. I said there should be certain categories. But again, we understand most importantly is our personal health. 80% of those who, who passed were over 80 years old, and 80% of those who passed had individual comorbidities right? Startling, startling, startling facts and data. So let's look at the comorbidities. Let's look at body mass. Am I getting outside? Am I exercising? Am I eating well? Am I going to my doctor? Am I I getting comprehensive blood work done? Am I trying to reduce my risk of cardiovascular disease, respiratory illness, diabetes, cancers, all sorts of metabolic dysfunction? Am I doing my best to eliminate those comorbidities and those cofactors to protect myself? No, most people aren't. The government's not telling you to. They're not giving you any support to do so. In fact, they're making it harder by shutting down gyms and fitness centers, group fitness in parks, not allowed to do. That's that's 
insane. Could, go ahead. To your point about the cardiac arrest statistics or cardiovascular disease, 500,000 plus per year are going to die. We know that number. I think I, I just read a study on sudden cardiac arrest, and it's like 50,000 of those people have no prior signs, have no, it's just one day they're going about their day and they dropped out of a heart attack. 50,000 people, and I believe it's men under 50, take up the majority of that. So that's like, if you're not thinking about it and you're you're a man under 50, like this this affects a lot of people. Now, I think the, the number probably gets higher as you approach 50, but still like that's people my age undiagnosed risk factors because people will spend four hours a day on Netflix and not take an hour and 40 minutes every six months and go to their doctor and get a comprehensive blood panel done. They won't go walk 30 minutes, 30 minutes per day, three days a week is all you need to have benefit. And in time that turns into four, five, six, and then 45, 60, 90 minutes a day, right? These are such small little things that most people who scream science denier because someone might not be wearing a mask while standing alone in a park, right? Because we've all seen that. Mothers getting shamed for playing with their kids alone in a park, 100 yards away from anyone else. And these Karens march on out there and scream at them for not wearing a mask. Insanity, right? It, it, it's insane. But the person who does it is morbidly obese, holding a, a, a Coca-Cola in their hand and, and, and a Happy Meal. Right? I mean, yeah, I think the science denier thing is so stupid. If you see a person not wearing a seatbelt, are they a science denier? Like this is, we're talking about value systems. We make, we make trade-offs every day. Uh, You know, did you break the speed limit? Well, the speed limit is apparently there's some scientific model that's saying like, we have determined through studies that this speed limit is appropriate. If you go faster than that, are you denying science? I I think I, I hear science denier a lot and i think that it's a, a negation for allowing that people have different values true and the majority of those who claim science denier are the worst of those who deny science because they're the ones who hide behind their dirty cloth mask that they constantly pick at and then they touch doorknobs and, and other handles and hand people things. And they go through their life with kind of just think about that. Every time you go anywhere, you see people do this. Watch where their hand goes. COVID, COVID, COVID. Everywhere it goes, right? We understand. I'm a germaphobe, by the way. I don't exactly mind people kind of wearing masks, especially when they handle my food. Like, I'm not, all right, that, that doesn't bother me. But if so, you know, someone walks in without one, I'm not going to kick him out of the store and embarrass him in front of the chair. That, that's crazy. But those people who pick to this thing while denying denying the science of their own health issues, of their own high BMIs, of their own comorbidities, where we should be mad at them because they're the ones who go to the hospital and take up the time of the staff and the resources of the staff because they didn't do what they should have just to take care of themselves and get them out of the at-risk criteria. They actually push themselves every day into the at-risk criteria. Then because they're at risk, they go to the hospital. Then they take up the ventilators. They take up the time. They, they completely like just demolish the emotional state of the staff. They take all the money, all the money that everybody else is paying because they're in line getting Happy Meal. So why isn't McDonald's closed? How come is it, it isn't harder to get processed foods, processed sugar, synthetic toxic chemicals 
it, why isn't it harder to get that than it is to get exercise? To educated man, well, every town should have an education team that in the biggest park on the biggest field, they should have town government take some of that two, $2 trillion dollar stimulus and pay some coach $20 a day, right? In, in local towns to train expert training ex, you know you'll get so many volunteers again I'm, I'm kind of ranting on here but i think you and i are very much aligned we can't control what the idiots above us in government say the the, the public servants and such in the media we understand that they're biased but in our own time in our own household shame on you if you're not shame on you if you haven't made an appointment to go to the doctor and get your blood work done shame on you if you don't get outside and move 30 minutes a day shame on you if you just default to eating all the crap that everybody else eats, shame on you because you know better. You know, yeah. better. COVID or not, doesn't matter. Like, yeah, okay, that's here for now. But what about CBD, cardiovascular disease? What about all the other things that, that people suffer from? So it, it's, it's personal again. The, the getting outside, you know, I, I, I had enough trouble getting my kids outside prior to all of this. And, and, spending enough time outside myself or spending the amount of time outside I wanted to spend. But when it went to like, parks are now off limits. Um, we're going to regulate sidewalks. Like you can't just be walking around. You have to have a purpose. Like you have to be going to do something essential. This was a devastating blow. Um, yeah. I, I think to a lot of people because you know, not only does it diminish their development of vitamin D, which we've heard scientifically is a big factor in how this disease treats you, but it, it, you know, it's so easy now to stay inside. There's so, you know, nobody's or very, very few people are going outside to actually survive hunting or, you know, yeah planting food or, or having a garden or whatever it is that kept us outside. When we first built houses, it was like the house is to protect me against uh, bad weather and like uh, creepy crawlies in the night. And otherwise we're never inside because what are you doing in there? It's just yeah. a, it's just a shelter. Um, so this was, these are, these are great points to make. I, I have a, I have a question. Um, and I, I, I know we got to wrap up soon, but I, I have a completely different question and it's about um, cutting for, yeah. for these high-end athletes. Now I know that like I have ideas and maybe I'm totally wrong about like a, a fighter who can perform at the same level, but is heavier is going to have an edge on another fighter. But I'm wondering if for you, um, do you, do you think that, there are a lot of guys who I want to know what you, how you design a cut first of all, but I also want to know if, if, if the, if you ever think the state you get to or the level you get to add a cut should be sustained. And I'm talking so, different than weight loss. You know what I mean? I know it is weight loss, but like, we're not so, talking really about fat at that point. I don't think. Initially into the cut, it's about fat, but this is weeks out. Right. So we're still looking to drop body fat right up until competition, knowing we can lose, easily lose one pound of body fat per week. I'll take that extra one, 1 1.5, 1.8 pounds of non-functional body mass, get that off the athlete, which is 
almost a liter of water, we don't have to dehydrate. So I'll look at it like that. Now to construct a cut, we start again, a health and habit phase. We say, hey, let's, you know, kind of in camp, deeper in camp. We say the weight cut starts 52 weeks before competition. Wow. We should be eating well and healthy anyway. Remember getting us up to that 90%. That last 10%, easy. We can get you on weight, dry you out, play with your electrolytes, not a problem, and get you down, depending on the athlete, 20 pounds. That's pretty easy to do. The longer we have to do that, the better it is because now we want to grow muscle. I, every weight cut we do, we want to stay anabolic. Our focus is to build muscle while dropping dramatic amounts of body fat. Now, I'm not saying we're building dramatic amounts of muscle and simultaneously losing dramatic amounts of body fat. I'm saying we're trying to do everything in our ability to grow lean, healthy, functional muscle tissue. And worst case scenario, we don't lose any because we have to take every gram, every ounce of functional muscle into the performance arena. So that's kind of, as we look in the cut, we don't say, all right, we got to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. Man, guys will give up, gals will give up 50, 60% of their muscle sometimes when they're crash cutting their way down. And you can see it when they compete. We're not in that business, right? We're in the business of, of, of world-class um, minutia, right? The, the, the you know, split second, that, that's where we live and breathe. And in looking that, we probably have the most simple system, once again, to do that. High net nutrient intake relative to activities, meals are spread evenly. This is going out like, you know, weeks four, five, six, seven, eight. And as we get into the last three weeks, we call that three weeks to shred it during that period. We actually run a concurrent calorie and carb cycle into competition. We never go too low. We even don't even drop sodium. We maintain relative levels of sodium and we balance the electrolytes as we come in. So we don't crash cut. We kind of just like smooth land on our way back out. So that's like the overview of how we conduct the cut. Now we can break down the exact ones and zeros and the type of carbohydrates before certain type of workouts or, you know, protein sources. And when do we have steak or fish and understanding digestion, digestive efficiency, which is probably the most important aspect of the last 21 days. And then we kind of walk the athlete or the individual into that cut at the end. Now to sustain that weight, no, no, within like a weight cut is, is we're touching down at a certain weight. We say 0 0.00 dot, dot. We have to be 146.00 pounds at 4.04 PM on April 15th. It ha like we have to be that perfect. Like we're landed the Apollo 13 mission, right? That's right. what this thing really is at the highest level. That's what it is. It's not just some zombie athlete crash cutting in a sauna with plastics on. Yeah. The weight will come off. You, you right. Feel awful though. Awful. Take years off your career. Probably years off your life, possibly like serious long-term damage. So we kind of do it our way. Of course, I've been doing it for almost 30 years now, right? And I've done it myself, cutting weight. You know, we're wrestling and powerlifting and, and, and fighting. I've gone through that at, at you know, a, a, a mediocre level. But still, when you're, you're cutting that weight and all that, man, it's hundreds and hundreds of cuts myself. I've experienced that. Also, while having the education and then the team and the staff and then the, the Petri dishes to really see what's the best. This is the best philosophy, we believe we have the, the data and I don't want to, I'm like overly, you know, pushing it, but to stand back where I am from my vantage point and to really look at the battlefield, it's sad to see what these athletes are doing. 
And what these, these weight management teams are doing and these fitness marketers and, you know, launching their, 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 you know, exclusionary restrictive fad dietary schemes into the population. It's sad to see that when the end result is so easy and it's so simple to get there. And, and most people are, are, are deterred or blurred, you know, their vision is blurred from that, but to sustain that we don't sustain a weight cut. Right. We touch down, we float right back up. And usually what you weigh 21 days out, we say your three week weight, that's the ideal competition weight. So let's say you're, you know, 168, um, 21 days out, you're weighing at 156, 22 pounds, you'll go back up and compete probably 164, 166, float right back up, ready to go and right. uh, keep it. But we will kind of reverse diet you back out to slowly bring your weight back up afterwards. And then we can, this is the beautiful part. Most people skip this. You can set a new normal, right? Like this is, this is, you can't pay for this as a human, as an athlete, you can actually reset your metabolic rate, your body mass percentage, your, your, your lean mass ratio. You can easily recomp and then balance and maintain at a certain weight. Most athletes skip that and they just skyrocket back up again. They get all heavy and out of shape and then they crash diet back down you know different story yeah i have it in my head that i want to maintain eight percent body fat on a dexa scan and i just don't know that that's in the cards i just don't i think i think i'm going to wind up sacrificing muscle tissue you know uh, because you now? right now 11 body 11 percent to get to eight man you know under 12 percent every percent is a war yeah, you got to change everything to go and people don't know you know that because you're doing it right to change 1% body fat. You got to go to war with yourself. Yeah, two months, three months. It's to a do lot. It right. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, I I'm not even cutting right now. And I think if I wanted to get back to eight, I, I'd probably give myself more than two or three months, it would be a long, slow stretch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It would be I'd, I'd say, you know, two months, three months to lose 1%. Yeah. And not sacrifice body, you know, lean mass and, and such to do it right, of course. Yeah. And then I've also done some of the, for, for like photo shoots, I've done some of the um, sodium restriction. And imagining a fighter having to fight, feeling the way I felt after withholding sodium for five days. Dude, I couldn't flex my muscles without like being like almost blacking out. So, you know, I can't, guys who are just like right up to two or three weeks out and then just depleting themselves, I don't think that's a, a smart way to go about it. I can't imagine a lot of the top level guys are doing that. Most are. Really? If you look at the misses at the scale, right? most are. Yeah. You hear them talk, you listen to their interviews, most are. I'd say probably 90% are inordinately dropping their sodium, inordinately dropping their carbohydrates, trying to attain ketosis. Yeah. Many are fasting now, which is dangerous, metabolically dangerous to do that, severe nasty health outcomes. And as a, a pro tip, a little bonus, it's not a matter of dropping sodium. Most people think it's, I gotta drop sodium, I'll lose water, I'll dry out. That's rule. That's that's only a rule. If you don't understand the deeper layer, let me explain that briefly. Dropping sodium simply works because it's the relationship of sodium potassium. 
if you can actually alter the relationship of sodium to potassium without dropping sodium, you actually don't have to drop sodium. You can maintain sodium. Noted, knowing sodium is responsible for the contraction of your heart. Yeah. Right? Like you need, why are we dropping sodium where, where I'm actually now really causing damage to my heart's ability to work? And then I'm going to dehydrate, drop water. So now my, my blood turns into jelly, right? Start, and now my heart can't contract as well. Muscles aren't working right? Because sodium, again, responsible for the electrical impulses to make muscles contract, right? I'm going to drop that completely wipe it off. We don't do that. We alter the balance of, of sodium to potassium. We don't drop sodium down below baseline. And we just let and the water will fall off anyway. It's the relationship. So those listening right now, if you understand, you get it. If you don't understand, you know, it's yes, you, know, don't you don't need to take know a anyway. bunch of potassium. Don't just start taking handfuls of that. No. So not, eat some cantaloupe, <laughs> throw an extra cantaloupe, it, throw some, yeah. and this is what we'll do. We'll throw some extra raisins into the, the breakfast bowl. You start eating a cantaloupe, half a cantaloupe, a whole cantaloupe. We'll add just, we don't do anything supplemental right. all through whole foods. Right. And you'll, you'll see that little tip. You also raise the sodium up a little bit going into that. So uh, artificial high and you bring it back down the baseline. And that, yeah, I did that too, leading up to my sodium depletion, but I went, and my sodium level was massive. And then I completely wiped it out, like no sodium and all my foods were low sodium. And dude, I mean, I think staying at the same uh, amount of food I was eating at the time, which was producing about a pound a week, I lost like 10 pounds in three or four days just from yeah. getting rid of salt and like de and dehydrating myself, essentially. That's tough. I mean, now for photo shoots, Right. Yeah, you can get away with it, right? You can yeah. get away with it. I'm just standing there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really, really appreciate having you on. Brother, this is a, a pleasure and an honor once again. Um, huge fan of yours, all your hard work. You as a human, right? Huge fan of you as a human, of course. You know, your, your resume is, is incredible. But what you've done, what you are doing, and I think the voice that you have is very necessary. So um, I'm super excited to be here, to be a part, to share some time with you and your audience. And uh, man, I'm inspired by what you keep doing at the level you keep doing at. So it, it's cool to just be a witness to what you're, you're, you're hitting, my man. Thank you so much. And, and I got to tell you, I really appreciate what you do too, because I think it's guys like you who really clear the gateway. You know, there's a lot of people guarding the gateway of nutrition and, and weight loss and health and, and standing there and saying, if you don't pay the piper, you can't get in here. And it's guys like you who are going like, like, listen, I, I suggest people go and check out your program. And, and I think your program is fucking awesome. But at the end of the day, you gave it away. You just gave it all away. Everything the whole thing. And if people just did that, I think that they would have success. I mean, I'm fortunate in my position because I'm beholden to none. I have no sponsors. I have no investors. I have no buddy telling me what to do. And I have a resume that's arguably better than anyone else. Definitely as good as the very best. Nobody can look at my resume over 20 plus years, the level with which we have accomplished and produced replicatable results, regardless of situation, regardless of individual physiology, regardless of sport, we have produced world-class performances without one single failure ever. 
I don't know of any other team to make that claim. That being said, when I say something, every other pundit, they can't argue based upon their own credibility. You have to take what I say as a relevant addition to the conversation. So when I say synthetic toxic chemicals are bullshit, counting calories is bullshit, keto and fasting and all the exclusionary restrictive fed dietary practices are bullshit, uh, sucralose and aspartame, acylfame, potassium in your quote sports supplements, that's bullshit. In my opinion, they are lying to you and they are marketing to you to convert you. Helpful whole food in wide variety eating based upon your activity every two to four hours or so. You don't have to pay me for that. And I don't want you to pay me for that, right? If you, like I have products and services that are there for those who want to engage in that. Sure, that's great. That's fine. But you don't have to. I give this shit away for free. I will never have the, the social media following as all the, you know, clickbaiters and, and, and you know, the, the, the streamers and whatnot. Because I simply tell the truth and I'm dedicated to telling the truth. I don't have to. I like. I don't have to sell anything anymore. I'm. I'm, I'm a smart guy. I'm a hardworking guy. I'm. I'm like. I, I make my own rules, right? I can say what I want to say, and those in the industry who know who I'm talking about, because it's almost everybody, they never say anything back because they know they're fucked on facts. Right. I will tear them apart, and they don't have my resume. They don't have my history. They don't have my evidence. They don't have my facts. They have really good marketing campaigns. And look at those who every 18 to 36 months sell something different. Yeah. That's the thing that for me, I just go like, how often, if this is the thing, but it's not the thing in a year, what, what are we doing? And who is selling that? Now I want to hold those people accountable for selling the bullshit who pretend with their hundreds of thousands of social media followers and their cool gimmicky shit. I know a lot of these people. I've seen them eat. I know the way they live their life. I don't call people out by name, but they're full of shit. They don't do the things that they do. They didn't build their body the way that they're saying they did. And 18 months ago, they were selling the other most recent best ever secret. 18 months from now, they will sell something different. So go through these fuckers' social media and see what they were selling and what was the best. Every two years or so, it's something different because it's a keyword flip. Yeah. Keywords flip every two years or 18 to 36 months. We understand knowing the game and the industry, the cycle. And I will say, I don't do any of that shit. I know how to do all that stuff. Internet, digital marketing. I, I can do all that stuff. I don't do that because we're honest. We're organic. We tell the fucking truth. And I'm not trying to monetize people. We have products and services available if people need it. But you can tell what I do and what everyone else does. Why are they in it? I say, if, if a product has, I'm ranting, if a product has sucralose in it, just know that company does not care about your health. They care about squeezing 0.7 cents of margin per unit, right? I'm in that industry. I understand that industry. We understand sucralose is garbage. It negatively affects the microbiome. All these PhDs and, and you know, whomever out there say, no, go ahead, eat the artificial sweeteners. In fact, buy mine. Right. Fuck you. Right, you, you liar, like you know better in my opinion. They know better or they don't know enough. Either way, you shouldn't be listening to any of them. So I'll again, yeah. ranted there, I apologize. I, I get heated it. on that. I love it. Mike, yeah. thank you so much. Awesome, brother, thank you so much. Appreciate being here. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And now for the Q&A. This is a question for you from Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Is Kelly a dude or a gal? I don't know. All right. Kelly well. didn't say. 
hi kelly i'm kind of rooting for you being a chick (laughs) okay kelly says my question to you is on external motivation have you had success using external motivations such as purchasing tangible items in your weight loss strength journey for example, if I lose X amount of pounds, I can buy a new electronic or luxury good or product since I earned that benchmark. If not, what are your thoughts about external motivation? Cool question, Kelly. Thank you. Um, I can't really say I have had so much success with uh, external motivation. And now we're going to get into a whole talk on how my financial life works (laughs) my wife many people have said is your wife your manager and i say god no my wife is not my manager managers get 10 percent. she will settle for nothing less than 100 percent of my paycheck um and so if i uh, i i just and this is this is good for me because i would just buy all the stuff you just mentioned if I had the thought like I need blah I would just buy it I don't know that I would just wait and like go like I'm gonna get myself this thing if I achieve this goal I just haven't had success doing that so uh if I want something I just tell my wife like hey I want this and she goes okay what are you gonna do with that and if I can convince her then I get it that's how my life works um uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Did I get to, did, did, what do I tell him? Well, I I'm not mean, good at external motivation. I mean, okay. So let's say it's not, um, I mean, first of all, that could work for someone. Sure. But let's say, uh, Hey, listen, if some billionaire came and said, I'm going to give you a plane. If you lose 50 pounds, I'm losing 50 pounds. I think this, this is maybe. I can rationalize this as being useful to me if it's something that I couldn't already get myself. But I'm not really walking around wanting a bunch of stuff I don't have, you know? Yeah. If if I need something, I get this thing. I, I don't – there's nothing I'm sitting here going, I wish I had a better version of this. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. I just haven't used it that way. I, I can't afford a private plane. If somebody was going to give me a private plane, I will hit any body goal I have to. So I think I could understand it um, from that point of view. But when it's my money, I right. can buy whatever I want with my money. I don't have to convince myself that I deserve something I want. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? I guess I'm having trouble there. Well, I think if I could just analyze this question, right? Like that was an example she gave of like, cool, if I do this for myself, I'm going to buy this new thing. We don't know. Well, we don't. That's right. We decided we weren't sure. They. Okay. So the example. Which is how you use they. Just so you know, if anybody wants to know, there is a version of a pronoun that's singular for they. There always has been. And it's when the sex is unknown you know the the example i give to my children is if they come home and they say my teacher was mean to me i say really what did they do Mm -hmm. that's a singular pronoun with they that has been my entire life this is nothing new so we don't know kelly's sex right let's not gender them fine okay good um so 
you just said if it was something you couldn't have, like you couldn't go buy yourself a plane and someone came along and said, uh, I will do this for you. Um, I just need you to do X, Y, Z. You're saying you would. So maybe like, um, a person, I'm just saying that's external motivation. I don't really want a plane. Fine. We get that. But like, it's, I mean, I do, but I don't, (laughs) I'm not looking for a plane. Yeah. But just something that either you couldn't by yourself you um feel like is maybe an extravagance or let's say it's a place you want to go or an experience you want to have with your kids or your wife if all your kids i know you and if your kids were like dad (laughs) if you do xyz you get us all for the weekend we'll go hiking we'll do whatever stuff you want to do we won't be on our phones you know yeah you were gonna say we'll go on this trip with you and i'm like i'll just go on the trip by myself no but if it's yes if 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 my kids said if there was something like that i guess that would work yeah yeah I could see that. I could see that as being useful. I don't know about having that as a long-term goal um, because what happens like you buy the thing and then you're done and Mm -hmm. then you don't have to maintain that goal. Right. So I I don't know. I I don't love the idea of um, material objects as motivation. It it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm not an anti-materialist. I like stuff. I I have a... A, f- a fond appreciation of stuff. Um, but I, I don't, it doesn't, I, it's not something I would use. I don't want to dangle a, str- a carrot in front of somebody's face to get them to do something. I think this is like the, uh, I do understand the idea of the marketplace. And, and I think that, that um, certainly a lot is market driven and there are incentives to do stuff. Um but with physical goals for me, I want these incentives to be something about me. That's just what I want. I, but I'm sure there are people where it's more motivating if, if they have some object maybe. Yeah. And that's fine too. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Jesus, I feel like you're judging me now. I'm not judging you at all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not for this. Kelly, thank you for your question. If you have a question that you would like me to answer on the show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>